You are tuned into In Her Footsteps, a conversation with the dynamic Latina business owners who are helping drive the American economy and creating change in their local communities. Hi, my name is Susan Farhang. I'm the Director of Marketing at the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and I'm here with Victoria Flores, the CEO and co-founder of Lux Beauty Club Hair Extensions. Hi, Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So to start off, tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. Well, um, I tend to wear many hats these days. Um, I obviously founded this company, but I'm also a mom. I'm also a wife, and I feel like I'm just a perennial hustler. That's awesome. So what is your business? Um, tell me a little bit about our business is a couple of things, actually. Not only does it make women feel beautiful and we give them their confidence back and transform them, um, but in a nutshell, we're hair extensions and maintenance around the hair extensions. And when did you um, start the business and why, why did you decide to start the business? That's a great question. I've been in the business since 2012 and that was kind of as a side hustle, just selling hair extensions to stylists, salons, our friends, and really selfishly buying them for ourselves. So we wouldn't have to pay full price at the salon. Um, so the idea really occurred to us because we were tired of spending thousands of dollars at the salon and my co-founder and I were two single girls in the city and it was either Pay your rent, eat, get your hair did. So clearly we were getting our hair did. <laughs> that is a top priority. Absolutely. We were, we were very skinny those days, back in those days. Um, so that's when we started thinking about this uh, endeavor where surely there's a better way to do this where we don't have to pay so much money to a stylist and we can source the hair in ourselves and either do it ourselves or take it to our stylist. So now there's full price transparency. That's awesome. So we started as a side hustle selling hair extensions out of our apartment just to friends and like I said just to make a little extra income and after a few years we looked up and managed to have made a million dollars that's amazing not even trying that's amazing <laughs> so we thought okay we're on to something women obviously want the product and are drawn to this but on the flip side, we also felt that we were still part of the problem because we were selling to salons and stylists, which then mm. would multiply the product and keep it artificially high mm. to the consumer. So then that's when we thought, light bulb, se me sendo el foco, <laughs> that um, we need to do direct to consumer. As a side note, I've used extensions. So I think that's <laughs> such a great thing, you know? Well, one in three women wear some sort See? of hair I'm, extensions I'm in the past. I'm one of the three. Or, exactly. <laughs> and I'm, oh, two. So that's uh, two out of three <laughs> in this room. So three out of three. <laughs> <laughs> you have more than me. No, before? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me some of the biggest um, challenges that you've faced as a business owner. The big, Some of the biggest challenges, I think, have been for us is... Raising capital, fundraising. Um, my business partner and I, although I'm fi Morgan Stanley finance background and my business partners, uh, big in the pharmaceutical, uh, arena market, uh, it was still very difficult to raise money. It still has been very difficult to raise money because when we walk through the door, investors aren't seeing themselves and that's who they tend to invest in is people that they see and know in their network and, you know, the bro culture and that kind of thing. So yeah. when I walk in, it's kind of a, triple everything, right? I'm brown. I'm over 40. I'm married. I have a baby and I didn't go to Harvard. So yeah. that's kind of all strikes against me. And they look at me like I have three heads. Oh, and I'm pitching beauty and hair. Yeah. So 
<laughs> There's every reason to tell me no. And I actually have a spreadsheet where I keep all my investor meetings. And I got my first yes after 155 no's. Wow. How did you overcome that? You know, the because of everything you mentioned, you know. Yeah. I mean, you have to have really thick skin. I would say you have to be pretty crazy to want to be a business owner, entrepreneur. You basically have to be a complete psycho, which, uh, <laughs> which I completely am. And uh, my husband thinks I'm crazy, but nonetheless, we, you have to persevere and you have to have really thick skin. I think at the very beginning, the first nose, I thought, Oh my God, do we really want to keep doing this? And yeah. I, and, and everyone around you says, you're, you're onto something you're selling. Um, and you need to keep, and you just keep going. I mean, yeah. you can't know is basically, yeah, knows my middle name. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> No, but also believing in yourself and making sure exactly. that you... And it's just about, I always say fundraising is, is like dating, but it's actually harder <laughs> because <laughs> dating, um, you know, it's a numbers game and you don't have to go out with a hundred guys to find one guy that you'll connect with and fundraising. You do have to meet a lot. You got to kiss a lot of frogs to find that, <laughs> yeah. that one prince that will believe you in you and be your champion. Yeah. And so with that, what are some opportunities that you see within your business and maybe even here locally in New York? Um, yeah, that's a great question because, uh, you know, I think that with more women now getting into the venture capital space, um, it's still a little difficult because when the conversation comes around diversity in tech, what does that mean? And yeah. what that really means is diversity in tech means first white women mm-hmm. and then blacks Black men. Yeah. And then black women and then Latinas. <laughs> so yeah. we're kind of, you know, it's a little bit of a, and that's great that it's, we're at least having the conversation, but it's literally, we're so far down yeah. the, 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 yeah, the ladder where people really, you know, they, they, it's, it, we're few and far between. I think that somebody just started a list like Diane Project for black women on raising more than a million dollars. And I think we're at like, 32 women that have raised over a million dollars in venture capital, which is crazy. Yeah. Wow. Just sad. Yeah. (laughs) You know, at first you're like, yeah, great. You're on the list. But then second, you you compare it. You're like, that's, that's you know, what does the two white days from Harvard go? We're number (laughs) 1 millionth and 10. Yes. (laughs) We're planting a flag somewhere or not. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, So I want to backtrack a little bit actually and ask you about the name. Yes. You know, how did you come up with it? What advice do you have for any listeners who are thinking of starting a business and, you know, coming up with a name? Well, you kind of, you have to think about it uh, on a big macro level, like starting micro, but then going macro, like what is it that you want to really be your brand to be? And for us was, yes, obviously extensions, but obviously have extension of products where not yeah. only maintenance products and making it a community mm-hmm. for women because our our brand is so multicultural. We have hair for black, white, Latina, everyone. So yeah. it's not segmented because the hair all comes from the same place. It's just the way it's texturized. Yeah. So we wanted it to be a community, a club where you can not only get your hair, but also the maintenance products along with it. And then as we expand, we can add other things all about hair um, that can actually, you know, help your hair look the most optimal. What do you wish you had known before you started your business? Oh, Lord, that's a good question, too, because um, how hard it was, because I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely difficult. I think I probably would have actually started fundraising I mean, it's two-pronged, right? Like for us, unfortunately for Latinas, 
when we fundraise, we have to have such a high bar. We have to have so many, so much in sales and we have to have such crazy traction. And, you know, I've seen some girls, uh, you know, tampon company, uh, organic subscription walk in and be like, uh, we didn't even have a prototype and we raised 1.2 million. And, and, and it's interesting, right? But for us, they, they, they move the goalposts so much. They're like, Oh, consumer products. Well, you have to be making a million a month. Okay, I wouldn't be sitting here if I was making a million dollars in sales a month. <laughs> but those are the parameters that they, uh, you know, expect from us. So we have to start making money out right out the gate. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I probably wouldn't be doing anything different because, as my mom says, that you know, if it's easy, it, it it's there's something wrong and yeah, nothing comes that's easy. True. And um, and it's harder for other people than than some. Um, but I know that for us, we were gonna it was gonna be an uphill battle the whole time. Yeah. What is your end goal for your company? Where would you like to take it? What do you see in the future? (laughs) Well, we definitely want to obviously acquire as many customers as possible, as quickly as possible. um, And we're on the right track with that. We have an incredible team now. Um, But I think for us is really to be acquired or to be sold to say Unilever L'Oreal or something like that. So we can really even elevate the message more. And I know you, earlier you mentioned something about, you know, making women feel confident and beautiful and having that platform. How do you use that? You know, do you use social media or how, or is it conferences or how do you empower women? Yeah. I mean, that's a that great platform? question because recently I've been kind of the go-to Latina founder <laughs> on panels. So, you know, they're like, we need a Latina founder. Flores, call her. Um, she's on speed <laughs> dial. So I'm literally on a panel probably every other week, but it's talking about, you can do it too. And if you're brown, obviously you're, you, you can, you see me doing it. Anyone can do it. Right. Yeah. But the way we really inspire women and really love women to feel inclusive is that you don't have to be a celebrity to wear hair extensions. You don't have to be a Kardashian to wear hair extensions because I think that that's mainly the message. So we just did a photo shoot last weekend called Lux Get Real, which basically Mm. used 16 models, mostly Real women with real jobs, mommies, bloggers, influencers, you know, my neighbor down the street, you know, <laughs> um, and we did before and afters on them um, and it turned out beautifully. That's awesome. That's really good to hear that, you know, you are catering to all women. It's not just like you said, celebrities. So I think that's exactly oh, like. From what I remember, that being kind of like the yeah. Ideal. So when they like, go to our product pages, and we're actually relaunching our website at the end of the month. So oh, that's um, exciting. We're doing a whole entire uh, UX uh, facelift. But when they see themselves on a product page, the woman, you know, obviously she looks beautiful, but she also, you will identify with her because she's also could be somebody that you know and could be your friend. So tell me a little bit about, you said you're relaunching the website. Correct. What's that process been like? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, before we had funding, we obviously did it ourselves and, and on, on a typical platform that everybody uses for big commerce. But again, once you have money, you can bring in experts and a digital team and really understand conversion process on like when they come on your site and why they drop off here and why do they go through this. And so really learning the analytics. So based on that, we're creating an entire new user experience, which is a hair quiz. For example, for women that don't know what Mm. hair extensions to buy, you can just click on a quiz. Do you want it for every day, occasion, whatever? And then it spits out your type of hair extensions with your color and that kind of thing. And also maintenance products that go along with it. Um, So it's going to be more interactive, um, not stock photo, because when you don't have (laughs) any money, that's what you do. But, you know, now you have real women um, and it's actually, uh, you know, it speaks more to you. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone that is trying to start their website and 
is like, I have no idea where to, where to even begin. Right. I wouldn't spend a lot of money. I would use either like a Shopify or BigCommerce or something like that. <laughs> Shopify is incredible. Um, and really just start testing it, even as crappy as a product you have, an MVP, which is a minimal viable product. Definitely start selling it, testing it. Um, yeah. People will know that it's, you know, maybe do pre-orders. We have a new product that we're launching that ships mid-June. It's patented new magnetic hair extensions, Ooh. kind of like the eyelash extensions, but magnet. Yeah. Oh, Basically just clicks, clicks, clicks. Exactly. So where you have a pan on it, no one's done that. So we started doing pre-orders and yeah, That's they're awesome. flowing in. Um, so I would say test products, test them on your friends. And when you actually start selling to people you don't know, yeah, that's a good thing as opposed to your tia, your tio, and, you know, they're <laughs> trying to give you $19.99 cause they feel bad for you. But when it's actually your, you know, people you don't know buying your product, then you're that's onto incredible. something. That's incredible. I'm going to try those out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're going to be great. <laughs> so Hispanics start a small business at a rate of three to one when compared to the national, uh, national market. Latinas though, they start a business at a rate five to one. What do you think accounts for that entrepreneurial spirit among Hispanic women? Right. I mean, it's really incredible when I hear that all the time, that number, I think it has a lot to do that. We're fearless and not just chingonas, but we're fearless <laughs> and we really just like, we get it done. I mean, good Lord, we've seen our mamas get it done. We've seen our whole yeah. family get it done. It happens, right? Like they're going to get food on the table no matter what. So I think it's more just we are tired of just answering to somebody else and kind of want to just be part of the conversation um, and elevate our peers and elevate younger girls as well. You want to help everyone around yeah. you, I think. One more question about, because I'm thinking about the product you're going to be launching. Yes. Um, what has that process been like developing the new product and the brainstorming and everything that has to go into it? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question because it's, uh, you know, my business partner is the creative, um, and I'm more the finance side. So she literally comes weekly with a new idea to me. <laughs> and she, I always shoot her down. Cause I'm like, no, let's focus on this. No, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. So when she, we were sourcing different things to put in our boxes, um, and she had ordered the magnetic eyelash extensions mm -hmm. from the eyelashes from China or whatever. Yeah. And she calls me, she goes, Tori, because she's from Alabama. Um, Tori, what do you think about magnet hair? And I thought, wow. Okay. Don't they fall out? It's magnets. They're heavy. She goes, well, I don't know. We need to try it. Say, so, okay. So we literally ordered a thousand different magnets and we put it on our tape and hair extensions and sticky and super glue. And I don't know what the hell went through it, but, um, <laughs> Then finally, she calls me one morning and said, um, I went to the gym. I worked out. I flipped my hair around to Britney Spears. I <laughs> even showered in them. Wow. And I blew dry them. And they stayed in my head. And I thought, no. oh, my God, this is insane. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> so we found an incredible. Showered and. Yes. We say don't get them wet, but you can. Apparently. Oh, my God. No, it's a revolutionary, crazy product. So that is so awesome. So we started the patent process because I thought let's not put it onto the world until we actually file the yeah. patent for it. Because as we know, people are going to steal it. But at least you have a date that you've actually filed it, and then later in a year when it comes down, yeah. a design patent, you can actually go back and get residuals from those people. But so we filed the patent, and then with that, within weeks, we had a manufacturer in India, New Delhi, that thought. Yeah, this is great. I even thought about it, but I thought it would fall out. Like they don't. You couldn't believe it. 
So we send in the magnets. We have the hair being made currently and we'll probably end up getting the first batch at the end of the month. Um, and he's been testing them and it's great. And people are buying them, but you know, pre-order just with our yeah. videos and before and afters. So, awesome. but for us, it moved quickly with that product only because we knew that, it, you know, the simplest things yeah. really are the ones that make your life easiest. And that's when we knew we had a winner. Yeah. That's really incredible. What is the best advice you've received and followed? The best advice I've received, um, this is early on in the mm-hmm. process. It's say, he said, uh, you should always have your logistics warehouse next where you can hop in the car and go to your logistics warehouse and, and mm-hmm. see what's going on. If there's any issues, I said, no, but we were in Hong Kong at the moment. They want to ship it from here and it's going to be just as cheap. And he's going, no, I thought, but they said it was, and this yeah. is how green we were and it had been a total disaster. Um, so I wish I'd listened to him yeah. for sure. Um, another, what, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, we, mm-hmm. we all have, I think building a business. Um, but I think I probably should have maybe started fundraising, uh, without bootstrapping, which I think is, is crazy to me, but that's how some people do it. And then, you know, but for me, I had to have skin in the game. Um, yeah. but it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Yeah. Um, but I do listen to people that have been there that have, um, experienced it. So yeah, there's, it comes from everywhere, right? All kinds of advice, and, yeah. but you can't always listen to everything. That's true. Take Everyone has an opinion. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> Everyone has an opinion. And so what, what advice do you have for our listeners that are, you know, maybe thinking about starting a business or, or, on the flip side, trying to grow their business. Yeah. I think that scaling is the biggest challenge for a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, I'm selling, I'm, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, maybe a million. How do I really get traction and really, really blow this business up? Um, you know, not every business needs to be sold or bought by a big other company. Yeah. Um, some people are fine making a couple million dollars a year and that's great. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. Um, but I think that you have to kind of really look at your market size and before you kill yourself and trying to capture that market to see if it's there. Yeah. Um, but also I would not listen to everyone. Um, and if you think that you really have something, just keep going for it. And, and, and the most important thing is that if you want balance of work life balance, don't start a business. <laughs> <laughs> Because That's great advice. you're not going to get it. Um, your baby is 24 seven. My husband makes me shut off my phone on Sundays because I'm obsessed dealing with China. Like as soon as they wake up or, <laughs> you know, India, as soon as they wake up. So, um, you're definitely not going to have work-life balance at the beginning. That's great advice. Um, so fi- final question. Why do you think the In Her Footsteps initiative um, that the USHCC is launching is important? I think it's a very important uh, simply for the reason that if I can inspire another woman that's listening to this to just get up and do it, even on a small scale, anything, it could be anything starting, you know, selling burritos to her friends at school, <laughs> I mean, whatever, you know, yeah. that that's at least instills their entrepreneurial spirit and really gets it moving, but also kind of sees their daughters and our, we can, that's how we're going to propel our generations yeah. after us, right. Is for us, to, for them to see that it's happening. Yeah. And, and we're doing it. Well, exactly. That we're you. doing. <laughs> yeah. And that it's a catalyst and it's getting the conversation going and, and we're, and we're being included in the conversation. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for sitting with us. Thank you for all the great advice. I love it. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the In Her Footsteps podcast. Visit us at ushcc.com slash inherfootsteps to listen to our other podcast episodes or to learn more about the In Her Footsteps initiative.